0: everyone this is christina and this is emma and we are the The spooky Spooky babes club (laughs) response and feedback from you guys listening to our first episode last week. Yeah, it was so cool to think that people cared to listen to what we had to say. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of people listened, which was really neat. So, yeah. thank you guys. Um we had a lot of feedback about how cute we are. Thank you. Um but this is about yeah. to get real heavy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And no, um, today's yeah, today's episode is really heavy and delivering it in a bubbly manner is just not gonna It's not going to go. Today, we're going to talk about Dean Corll. He is a serial killer from the Houston area who was active from 1970 to 1973. He killed at least 28 boys that we know of, for sure. Personally, think there's more, but we can get into that later. (laughs) So Dean Corll, uh, he's really similar to John Wayne Gacy, which I'm sure you've heard of him if not then I'm sure we'll probably cover him at some point but John Wayne Gacy assaulted and murdered about 33 young men uh, in in the mid 70s 73 I think he was caught but before that weirdo there was Dean Coral, aka the candy man is how he's kind of known now Pied Piper and he killed at least 28 young men as I had said in the span of three years and he lived here in Houston, Texas. And until John Wayne Gacy, he had... G- Dean Coral held the highest number of victims. And I feel no. like this guy has been underrated. I actually didn't even know about him yeah. until you mentioned it. Yeah, I think because they did a really good job, like, with the press. A good job, I say. terrible. Yeah, terrible, terrible, but yeah. They did not want this news getting out they in fact the way they kind of held like handled this yeah the way they handled it Mm -hmm. it was just mm, mm. we'll get into that so (laughs) let me tell you a little bit about dean coral here was born december 24th 1939 in fort wayne indiana growing up it is said that he was known as a shy child serious especially for his small age he wasn't very like playful his brother and him were actually very opposite personalities but when he was seven he got really sick with rheumatic fever and it went undetected until the doctors discovered a heart murmur which led to him not being able to participate in any, any like sports or physical activities and you'd think being secluded from boys his age who you know they're out roughhousing mm-hmm. playing around playing outside uh dean didn't mind this at all in fact he was kind of like he was fine with that. He did not, he was not Didn't a social kid. Him. About Dean Coral's family, it consisted of his mother Mary, his father Arnold, and younger brother Stanley. His father Arnold was actually super strict, and his mother was like overprotective uh, of both of her sons. Their parents argued a lot, which led to a divorce in 1946. So, his dad, when I say strict, I don't mean just, like, you know, he was a straight razor kind of guy. No, he was, like, abusive. Like, he would punch them in the face as a punishment. Oh. Yeah. Ho- horrible parenting. Terrible. But Mary, on the, like, opposite end of that, she was, like, overprotective. Like, her boys could do no wrong. They were, like, perfect boys. Mary was... um, especially for the time I feel like she was definitely more willing to be independent than yeah, most more outspoken. women. Yeah, especially yeah. back in that in that time. Yeah. Okay. So, after the parents got divorced, Mary ended up selling their home in Indiana and they moved to Memphis, Tennessee, where Arnold, the boy's father, had been drafted into the army after the divorce. And then she sold the home and moved there because first off, she did not like being by herself. And she wanted the boys to keep a close relationship with their father. And about four years after moving there, their parents ended up getting back together trying to reconcile the relationship. But it just did not work out. And they ended up getting divorced a second time in 1953. And Mary received custody of the boys. Now, since she was a single mom at this time and their dad was super just kind of done he never did anything for the family after that he was not reliable he did not stay in their lives so she had to maintain the household on her own and she worked a lot so the boys ended up staying with uh, various caretakers mainly an elderly couple that they stayed with while their mom was working Eventually, Mary started dating a traveling clock salesman whose name was Jake West, and the family actually moved to Viter, Texas. Not too long after Mary and Jake got married, they ended up having a daughter named Joyce in 1955. Once the family settled, Jake and Mary started a business and bought a new home, and so they were running this business out of their garage, manufacturing and selling candy. It became like a family business. And the boys would go to school, but when they got home, they would have to help, you know, manufacture and package the candy while their stepfather, Jake, would be out selling it since he had a history of, you know, salesman background. Mm -hmm. So they say in school, which he attended Viter High School, he was a pretty average student. He didn't really get any, like, trouble or anything, but, but, um... He also didn't have a very big social life. He was kind of a loner. He did date a couple of girls and nobody said that he wasn't like he wasn't disrespectful or creepy or anything. They actually said the opposite. He was very kind and respectful and you know, he just kind of was just there, you know? Yeah. <laughs> just kind of uh. <laughs> He didn't really also have an opportunity to have a social life because again, he was working in the garage helping with the candy shop. So he'd go to work right after getting out of school, get up, go to school, come back to work. Anyways, yeah. So he graduated from Weider High School in 1958, and then the family moved to the Heights area, which is like just on the outside of downtown Houston. And because of the majority uh, of their candy, they were selling it in that area. So they're like, hey, let's just move out there. So the Heights in 1958 was very different than it is now. Right now it's like booming with business and homes are being remodeled and... Development is happening. Yes, yeah, so it's looking very nice down there. Mm-hmm. But back then it was considered like the annex portion of Houston. It had really low income housing. Police didn't regularly patrol here, which contributed to a lot of high crime. Um, but... There was also a lot of building going on downtown. So like this is when skyscrapers and stuff started being built in downtown Houston. Like it was really growing up a lot. And the Coral family actually opened a new candy shop in the area called Pecan Prince, which did really, really well. And in 1960, Dean was asked by his mother to go live with his grandmother in Indiana because her health was declining and while he was living in Indiana, he met a girl named Betty, who he became really close with, and they dated for a couple of years. Um, it said that oftentimes when they try to get intimate, uh, he was very Baptist, so I think he kind of used it as an excuse to turn her down. He hmm. would he would he would constantly be turning down sex with her, hmm. and she just thought it was his religion, or that he was trying to be respectful that's kind of how she took it but eventually after dating for so long she proposed like you know maybe if we get married but you no know, dean declined he did mm-hmm. not want to marry her and he eventually returned back to Houston to help with his family can- candy business again so after moving back in and helping out with the family's candy business he kind of wanted to get away from his mom he was kind of tired of being under under her constant you know roof he was yeah. 23 at this point he wanted his own space so he got an apartment above the candy shop he's living on his own now yeah um but about a year later dean's mother mary divorced his new stepfather jake west in 1963 and she ended up opening her own candy business called the coral candy company and it is said also that Jake wanted to divorce her because he kind of saw her as a rival. Wow. Yeah, like he kind of saw like, mm, I kind of feel like, I, I wonder if she was kind of planning on opening her own candy shop if, all along. Like, yeah, I kind mm-hmm. of wonder. I mean, I she's know, been hustling since she got divorced from their father. Right. Yeah. yeah. She yeah. didn't really True. need him. She was doing her thing anyway. Right. And so, yeah, that's what she did. So, Dean, 24. He became the vice president of the company and his brother Stanley became the secretary and treasurer. Treasurer. (laughs) Treasurer. Dean was responsible for hiring the employees to manage the candy machines like he did as a teenager. Um, And at this point, Dean had hired a teenage boy who actually started making complaints to Mary, Dean's mom that Dean was making sexual advances towards him. And instead of, like, confronting Dean about it, like, a normal person, boss, anybody would be like, hey. What's up with this? This kid came and said that you, like, made sexual advances towards them. Like, what's going on? You know, that's kind of inappropriate. Yeah. No, instead, she was like, hey, um, you're fired. Yeah, we're not going to put up with that drama. She, she, like I said, though, she was really protective. Mm-hmm. She did not want to believe no that could do anything wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, so she was like, absolutely, out of here. Wow. And the following year, Dean was drafted into the U.S. Army. This was like heavy Vietnam mm-hmm. era, you know. So he was drafted into the U.S. Army on August 10th, 1964. And this is actually where it said that he realized... He was homosexual. Mm -hmm. Like, growing up, he kind of knew that something was different about him. And in that time, very, very common for homosexuals to feel insecure about it and kind of repress that feeling. Yeah, well, especially in the military during that time. Oh, yeah. But being around all of these super fit men and, mm -hmm. I mean, only men. I mean it's not a surprise at all that he would be like, yeah, I think maybe I'm gay, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, during his service, he determined I'm gay, but only in his head, you know, Mm -hmm. now he did not like being in the military. He hated being in the military. He associated it with his abusive father, who was a deadbeat dad at this point, not in his life. And he just did not, he didn't believe what, you know, the war, standing up for all that. He mm-hmm. he wasn't part. Yeah, well, he was drafted, so he yeah, didn't want to be right. there anyway. Uh, it, and that's the case for most men his age mm-hmm. at that time anyways. Mm-hmm. Not, not obviously not for all of them, but mm-hmm. yeah. So not liking being in the military, he actually applied for a hardship discharge on the grounds that he was needed for the family business back home. And the army granted his request and he was given an honorable discharge on June 11th, 1965, after only 10 months of service. And they say that he was perfectly well-behaved. He had nothing, nothing bad happened. He had no, what is it called? Like bad, no, like no bad merits. marks. <laughs> yeah, no merit. <laughs> All A's. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Straight A's. <Steve. laughs> <laughs> Straight A soldier. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. Okay, so after being in the army, he comes back and he went from a very like thin you know meek kind of man scrawny yeah scrawny yeah you know i imagine at this time is kind of not not fully like captain america status but you know he went from a scrawny meek always inside kind of guy being in the military 10 months he came back stronger muscular you know you know what i just thought about what is that he had the um he had the fever he had a heart murmur Mm -hmm. so and but he was still drafted yeah he was still drafted at this point they would i think they were just kind of taking anybody yeah i mean i'm surprised though that he lasted even 10 months in the service if he's running and you know what i mean like he didn't faint at one at any point i'm surprised that's a really good point yeah i didn't even think about that yeah i didn't either huh but he only i mean he was only there for 10 months (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but I mean boot camp is hard, so Boot camp is hard. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so he came back all Buffy. <laughs> Buffy <laughs> the vampire slayer. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think being in the military and coming to terms with his sexuality and having a kind of struggle with trying to process all of that. I I personally, just my opinion, think this was a breeding ground for a lot of violent thoughts. I think it was kind of him putting it on himself. Like almost like awakening the beast. Yeah. And and not just because, I, I think because in his head he thought that being gay is wrong. Uh-huh. And so he had a hatred for himself. Mm-hmm. This, but like I said, just it's just an opinion, you know, right. to to do the things you did. I don't know. I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get there. You know, you'll, you'll let us know what you think, listeners. So when he got back, the candy business was thriving. They ended up getting a bigger building across the street from what was Helms Elementary School. And being the friendly neighborhood candy guy, Dean enjoyed giving out free candy to the children, but he started favoring teenage boys. In fact, he loved the company of young teenage boys. Creeper. Total creeper. Total creeper. This is how he earned his name, the Candy Man. That's what the kids in the neighborhood called him. He was, okay. Candyman is out. Free candy. Cool. What kid doesn't like free candy? Easy access, too. Um, But besides being called the Candyman, he's also known as the Pied Piper, which is really weird that I think they would call him that due to the story of the Pied Piper, which I think is a whole other episode. It's creepy. I know it's just like a kid's story. But so many kids' stories are creepy. I agree, they are. There's an underlining creep factor to it. Yeah. Yeah, we should definitely So the Pied Piper, if you don't know, he's the the guy who would like lure the rats out of the city with his flute playing to drown them into the river. Not not personally drown them, like he would lead them into the river to drown. I don't know, I just think it's really weird. Like a weird foreshadowing, maybe? I don't know, it's weird. That's strange. (laughs) Yeah. Now, at this new candy shop, there was actually a really big room in the back of the candy shop that Dean kind of converted into like a rec room. Like he would put a pool table back there, like a lounge area. He had his van back there that he had all souped up with lounge chairs and cushions and, yeah, teen boys. Mm Mm-hmm. It was cool, you know. You can go and hang out back there after school. It was really close to the school, to the neighborhood, and and that's how it was back there. The kids they just walked... They walked everywhere, you know. Yeah. That's yeah. how that's how everybody in the Heights you know, got around doing things. You go to the movie theater and walk around. And go to their friends' houses, walking, bicycling, <laughs> just walking. <laughs> <laughs> These kids felt. Kind of like, it was like an escape. They'd come and hang out. Dean would throw parties. He'd take him to beach trips in his creeper van. Cliche creeper van, by the way. We'll put pictures on the YouTube. The YouTubes. On the YouTube, On the YouTubes. <laughs> on the YouTubes. <laughs> so there'll be some pictures if you guys want to check out the video on YouTube. So you guys can see. We'll pop some stuff up there for you. Um. Uh, but he really enjoyed having the company of boys. I don't think at this point he, he was really thinking about all the dark things he would do to the boys. I think maybe it was like a fantasy kind of thing. Yeah. Because I think he really truly enjoyed having the company of younger boys around him. Because I don't think he could relate to grown adults at all. Almost like he was stuck in time. Yeah. And that makes me wonder, like, what happened? Why? Why was he like this? Why did he prefer the company of young men? We'll never know. We'll never know. But around this time and among these boys is where he met 12-year-old David Brooks. And David Brooks came from a broken home, which we'll get into. And he kind of looked at Dean as like a mentor big brother kind of relationship. So a little bit about David Owen Brooks. He was born February 12th, 1955 in Beaumont, Texas. And his parents divorced early in the 1960s. He lived with his mother in Beaumont most of the time. And he would come to visit his father that lived in Houston. David had actually a really promising beginning. He made really good grades in elementary until he reached junior high when he met Dean Coral. And he was regularly hanging around Dean Coral. He was the first guy who kind of didn't make fun of him for wearing glasses or... He was kind of a quirky kid. Yeah, I mean, you know, he was a a slim... Slim, scrawny t- kid, yeah, yeah, real scrawny kid with yeah. glasses. And by the time he was fourteen, he would come to Houston and stay with his father. And instead of staying with his father, he would end up staying uh, at Dean's house, like a lot. And his dad just kind of was like, "Whatever, man." He was kind of getting upset with with David Brooks at this time. David Brooks's dad. He, he kind of noticed that he had been falling behind in junior high, which I think kind of happens a lot around that age. But his dad was trying to get him to go to school, but they'd, they'd end up arguing about it a lot. Mm. But his dad didn't really do a whole lot to discipline him, like disciplinary, you know, kind of just let him run the streets. And so David was kind of left vulnerable and he was highly impressionable. And Dean capitalized on that and ultimately groomed him. Mm. He gave him, he wouldn't even give him money to go see a movie, go pick up some snacks from the corner store. Or, you know, tre- he treated him like a friend, like a big brother, mm-hmm. until Dean took advantage of him. He would start offering him $5 in exchange to give David Owen Brooks oral sex. Mm. And it wasn't just David Owen Brooks. There were several kids that would hang around him. And because Dean would also host parties at his apartment. And he just liked to surround himself with the company of young boys. Ugh. Yeah. Like he preferred that instead of instead of adults. It's it's really. I, so, I
1: don't,
0: so David was 14. Yeah. At this time, David was 14 and he was being paid by Dean Coral
1: to was, allow
0: who Dean Coral was thirty at this time. So, a thirty year old was paying a fourteen year old five dollars in exchange for oral sex. Yeah, to to give him or to perform oral sex on David. Gross. Yeah, and several other boys also accepted this exchange, money for oral sex. A lot of other boys made sure that they were never left alone with Dean Corll, like they got the bad vibes, you know, like they picked up on it, but some kids were just like, Hey, five bucks. Sure. Wow. And Dean Corll was like, cool. But that would not be enough for Dean Corll for very long. And who knows? Maybe it wasn't already, but as far as we know, he hadn't done anything yet, but also by this time, Dean Corll was kind of by himself. His mom and his younger sister, they moved to Colorado after her third marriage, after Jake. Mm -hmm. She got married again. Oh, wow. Divorced again. Married this same guy again and divorced again. A whole big mess. Like, Dean was kind of... where was her head at? I know. I don't understand. Dean didn't, like, approve of it. By this time, he was kind of over his mom's relationship issues, and he wanted to stay in Houston. He did not want to move to Colorado with them. He liked being in Houston. His hunting grounds. Yeah, literally. Right. He's in the midst of it. But Mary and him kept um, really good communication still, but they did never see each other again after she moved. Mm. That was uh, the end of that. Uh, and there's some things I want to speak about later um, after everything kind of went down about how they picked up on, they think his mental health was declining. Dean Coral's mental health. People were concerned. Who? What people? His mom was concerned. Huh. And, and friends that lived in the area, like, after the... co-workers oh. of, of Dean Coral, they were concerned for his mental health. Towards the end of everything. Interesting. Uh-huh. So after the end of the candy shop no, closing, no, at the end of everything. Once, once we get there, I'll I'll get into oh. it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Okay. So since his mom had moved and she she did close the candy shop, Dean had started working as an electrician's oh, apprentice, apprentice, an apprentice yeah. at the uh, Houston Lighting and Power Company. And this, I think, being left alone and with all those boys, his fantasies got really dark. He did not just want oral sex with boys anymore. He wanted penetration. Not just that, even. He had very sadistic thoughts about teenage boys. He wanted to, like, cause, he wanted to cause pain. He wanted to. That's a whole nother level of. The thought of inflicting pain during sex gave Dean coral pleasure. Gross. Absolutely that's a whole different. Gross. Yeah, it's just like a whole different level of yeah. Of, I, that's a whole different realm of evil. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Which is why, mm. and that's not yeah. like to say like BDSM. Like, there's a there's a right. healthy way to do that, right? But when you're, when you're this person, mm. it's not okay. Yeah. So one day, um, it did escalate. It did escalate to that. The first speculated victim was Jeffrey Conan, September 25th, 1970. Jeffrey was 19 and he was attending the University of Texas. He was actually hitchhiking from Austin to visit his parents in Houston. The person who gave him a ride to Houston did report that he successfully made it to the corner of West Iron Road and South Voss, which is near the uptown area of Houston and only about two and a half miles away from where Dean Corll was currently living at that time. The speculation, mm, speculation loosely. <laughs> his next ride was with Dean Corll because he never showed up at his parents' house. So around Jeffrey Conan's disappearance, David Brooks actually walked in on dean coral sexually assaulting two teenage boys he had them tied to his bed and standing over them naked Ugh. david said that the look on dean's face was deranged Ugh. and david was freaked out he tried to walk out of the room and Dean kind of scrambled to stop him. Dean offered to buy him a car in exchange for his silence. He told David that he was selling the boys into a pornography ring. And David accepted this. Dean got him a green Chevy Corvette for his 16th birthday. Wow dean saw it as an opportunity and he would eventually offer two hundred dollars to david for any new boy he could lure to his house man so that escalated quickly right but david would eventually learn that dean killed those two boys so maybe he accepted it at a. Of- fear oh a hundred percent yeah because cause now adult. he knows his dirty secret right he, so he would kill if he killed those boys he would kill him and by and by this time he's held on to that secret for so long yeah long a enough, year later l- i mean well, at least at least a few months so david's birthday is in february and this happened in september so six months about five months. Mm. So David mm. had a bit of time to go tell the police. But yeah, I know. I mean, he, Dean was his adult. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. We are going to end the episode on that note. Mm. And next week we will get into the things... That David did for Dean and the victims. So many victims that he brings to Dean Coral's grasp, along with another accomplice. This is wild. Yeah. It's already like, ugh. Yeah. This is going to get ugly. It, it, it really will. <laughs> it really will, guys. Ugh. Well, we really appreciate you guys hanging out and listening. Uh, if you guys have any questions, you can make sure to drop a note in the, you know, our message box or questions section. Uh, we'll be posting new episodes on Mondays. Mondays. At least we're planning to. Yeah. We have good intentions. <laughs> good intentions. <laughs> we're trying, guys. And yeah. Anything else? That's it. We're right. out. we're out of here. Right, cool. Remember to <laughs> stay, stay spooky, spooky babes.